0: The Carter Report presents Plain Talk with John Carter.
1: Hello friend, I'm John Carter. Welcome today to The Carter Report. This is a brand new program. It's called Plain Talk. Now, I don't know why, but people say I give plain talk. And so I'm going to give some more Plain Talk today, and I'm going to be answering questions that have come in around the world. Welcome, my friend, to Plain Talk. Hi, I'm John Carter. My wife Beverly and I were watching television the other night watching the news, American news. They told us that the church in North America is actually shrinking. They said that atheism is the fastest growing religious movement today in North America. And people are saying, what on earth can we do to save the church? Well, of course, Christ died for the church. He saved the church. But what they mean is, how can we keep the church as a vibrant force in the world today, in Australia, in America, and in Europe, and in the rest of the world? Let me tell you a little story. John Wesley was one of the greatest preachers that the English-speaking world has ever heard. John Wesley came upon the scene of of the church in England a few hundred years ago when the church was dying. Like the church today, it was a shrinking church but the people in the church were in a state of denial. They refused to accept the reality that the church was dying. John Wesley did something that uh, other people said couldn't be done. He revived the church through public evangelism. Did you hear that? He started to preach Christ, he preached the Bible and he preached out of doors and indoors and the church was saved. Not only did he save a lot of souls the souls of sinners, he saved the souls of the saints. Please join me, my friend, in evangelism. It's what Jesus did. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box, 1900 Thousand Oaks, California, in Australia. Write to me at the address on the screen at Terrigal in New South Wales. Join me, my friend, in preaching Christ Join me in public evangelism around the world. Thank you, in Jesus' name.
0: Why is it that many Adventist college students are in favor of same-sex marriage?
1: Well, I've been told it is so. It came out in some magazine articles that were sent to me. Uh, So... I think it may be true, but this is the trend today in America, in Australia, and around the world, uh, with the exception, of course, of Russia. I guess it is because they want to be politically correct and they don't want to offend people. Uh, The best motive I can give is that, I guess they've got friends who are homosexuals and they're nice people And they say, well, you know, why can't we all be equal and all can't be the same? There could be another reason, of course, and that is they don't understand what the Bible says. Now, maybe they do, but, you know, I don't know their hearts. I don't know their their abilities. But let me read you a text, if I can find it here today, as we're giving some plain talk. And uh, I'm so glad that you've joined me today for this plain talk. I'm going to the book of... Romans chapter one, and it says, verse 26, they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Now, here it comes. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Uh, I don't need to apologize for the Bible, do I? Some people say you've got to be a bigot to read that text. Well, I'm sorry, my friend, I never wrote the Bible. The last time I checked, this was the word of God. Now, you've got the right to your opinion. You've got the right to disagree with me. But let me tell you something. I've got the right to believe the Bible, and I've got the right to have my own convictions. And I've got the right to follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, in the beginning, God made them male and female. There is no such thing as gay marriage. Now, does God love homosexuals? Absolutely. Do homosexuals have the right to their opinion? Absolutely. Do they have the right to do what they want to do? God gave them the ability to choose. And this is plain talk. So they've got those privileges. God gave it to them. The right of freedom of speech. But I want to tell everybody today, I've got the right to freedom of speech also. I've got the right to give some plain talk, and I'd like to say to all the young people who are watching the television program, stop trying to be politically correct and be God-correct, and become intelligently informed and get to know what the Bible teaches.
0: Why do believers not call God by His right name, Yahweh? That is true. the name of the Almighty God
1: is YHWH, and we say it's Yahweh. Uh, in the King James Version, it is translated uh, Jehovah, which is not the, uh, the best way of saying it. Well, people say, no, 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 that's, that's how we say it. Well, let's, let's have some plain talk here, and let me read you a text out of the Bible, Exodus chapter 3.13. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now listen carefully. I'm going to tell you, in the Old Testament, the name of God was so revered, so honored, and so respected that those people didn't like to use his name. It was such a a dreadful name. That means it filled them with dread, with awe and reverence to the almighty God. And when the rabbis, when they were copying the scriptures, when they came to the name Yahweh, they would wash their hands and take a a fresh pen, fresh ink. Boy, we've come a long way from that. When you hear people today blaspheming the name of God, it's a wonder God doesn't strike them down. Now, when you come through to the New Testament, you find that Jesus doesn't use the word Yahweh at all. He spoke about God and he called him my father, my father. He said, you want to know how to pray? He said, pray this way, our father who is in heaven. And so you don't have to be using the name Yahweh. You can say our father, my father. That's what Jesus said. And then in other parts of the New Testament, because it's written in Greek, it doesn't use the word Yahweh, but it uses the word Lord, a curios means master. But the most important thing, my friend, is that you follow Him and that you obey His
0: Word. That's plain talk. How can I study the Bible? I'm a new believer living in New York where it's not really easy to be a Christian.
1: It's not easy to be a Christian in Los Angeles either.
0: (laughs) Is it easy to be a
1: Christian anywhere? Tell me where it's easy to be a Christian. It's not easy to be a Christian. Jesus said. Is it Matthew chapter four, I think, in the Bible? Matthew four, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, you're going to die spiritually, physically, every way. You wanna know what's wrong with the human race? The problem with the human race is that they're dying because they're not feeding on the Word of God. This is the Word of God. Now what I'm going to tell you is plain talk and it's tough talk. Here it is. It's not always easy to read the Bible. And the main reason people don't read the Bible is because they're lazy and because they don't discipline themselves. If you want to become strong, if you want to become a new person, start with the Gospels, the most important part of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. You say, that's the most important part? Of course it is. It's the part about Jesus. It's where you have the actual words of Jesus, the most important part. most important part of the Bible is not the book of Chronicles. It's not not the genealogies. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start to read the Gospels. Read the Bible for 30 minutes a day. Oh, you say, it's hard. Hey, do you want to be helped? Or don't you want to be helped? If you want to be helped, you got to discipline yourself and say, I know it's going to be tough, but I'm going to discipline myself and I'm going to read the Bible for 30 minutes a day. And I'm going to read it prayerfully. And I'm going to concentrate. And if you do that, my friend, a miracle is going to happen in your life.
0: Where is the land of Nod? mentioned in the book of Genesis? Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, Let
1: me see if I can help you with this one. I'm not absolutely certain I can, but I, I think I can point you in the right direction. I'm going to come over here in my Bible to the book of Genesis. Now, do I believe in the book of Genesis? Absolutely. Do I believe it's inspired? Absolutely. Do I believe it's the word of God? Yes, I do. Now it says, Genesis 4 verse 16, So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod east of Eden. So the land of Nod was east of Eden. Now if we come to Genesis 2 and verses 8 and onwards, it gives us a clue as to where Eden was. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. There he put the man he had formed. And verse 10 says, A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of that land is good aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Kush. Well, that's down towards around Egypt. Uh, the name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. That's what we'd call Iraq today. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Uh, that's sort of the area of the Middle East. That's where Adam lived, that's where Adam died, and that's where the second Adam came, and that's where he died also. So we're talking basically east of the Middle East. I can't be definite about this, but this gives us just an idea. But the interesting truth is this, that Adam sinned and died in that part of the world and Jesus came to that part of the world, and he overcame the devil, and he died on the cross for our sins. If you believe in him, you'll be saved. That's plain talk. God has his time and his place for everything. And the time and the place now is Latin America, including Cuba. Time Magazine talks about the Second Protestant Reformation and describes how hundreds of thousands, even millions of Latinos are coming to the gospel of Christ. I'm not an armchair theologian. I'm speaking according to experience. I've seen it with my own eyes. Recently, we went down to El Salvador There I spoke in the largest football stadium in Central America with the biggest crowd that that football stadium had ever, ever seen. They came not to see a football match, but to hear about the blood of Christ. Millions are coming to a knowledge of God in Latin America. Doors are opening in Cuba. Who knows, we may be going to Cuba soon As the doors open, by the grace of God, we are going to step through those doors. And we want you to step through those doors with us and be part of our team for such a time as this. Please write to me, friend. Don't put it off. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358 in Australia. Write to me at Terrigal, New South Wales. Be part of the Second Reformation. Join us and see the miracles of God. Amen.
0: Who or what were the hominids? Are they our ancestors? What about the Neanderthals?
1: Well, the hominids were ape-like creatures that lived a long time ago and they are not our ancestors. We came from the very hand of God. Now, I got a magazine here. I just want to um, share it with you. It's called uh, Ebenezer Magazine and I wrote an article in Ebenezer Magazine entitled The Bible and Science. But you can get this if you... uh, Write to us, and especially if you support our work in evangelism. Now, let me see if I can find this article. Yes. Professor Leakey was a famous, famous paleontologist. He discovered a creature in Africa by the name of Lucy, and he said, Lucy is our direct ancestor. We came from this monkey-like creature by the name of Lucy. But before he died, Professor Leakey had this to say. Now, this is sort of amazing. Uh, This is on page 43 of Ebenezer. If pressed about man's ancestry, I would have to unequivocally say that all we have is a huge question mark. To date, there has been nothing found to truthfully purport as a transitional species to man, including Lucy. If further pressed, I would have to say that there is more evidence to to suggest an abrupt arrival of man rather than a gradual process of evolution. Now, he sounds like he believes the Bible. Of course, he didn't believe the Bible. He was an evolutionist and he was an atheistic evolutionist. He may have thought there was an unseen power. I'm not absolutely certain. But he says... Lucy was not our ancestor. I know where we came from. The Bible says we came from the first couple, Adam and Eve. In fact, today scientists are saying that the whole of the human race can be traced back to a single couple who lives somewhere in Africa or the Middle East. Man came from the hand of God. Now the Neanderthals, well, they were not hominids. They were a distinct part, I believe, of the human race. Uh, they're no longer living, but the, the, these people, the Neanderthals, were exactly what I said. They were people. And years ago, thousands of years ago, they disappeared. They were wiped out. Maybe Homo sapiens destroyed them. I don't know. But the Neanderthals were certainly not hominids, and the hominids were not the ancestors of the human race. We came from the hand of God. That's the truth.
0: What is theistic evolution, and are you a theistic evolutionist?
1: Am I a theistic evolutionist? I'm not an evolutionist, and I'm not a theistic evolutionist. I believe in the Bible, and I believe in the book of Genesis. I believe that we were made By the hand of God. Now what is a theistic evolutionist? A theistic evolutionist is a person who believes in God but a person who believes in neo-Darwinism. A theistic evolutionist is a person who believes that the human race arose not by chance but by God and then through the process of gradual changes evolved into Homo sapiens and all the species we see around us. Now, are there some wonderful Christians who are theistic evolutionists? Absolutely. John Stott, the famous British theologian. Uh, Francis Collins, who has been called the greatest scientist in the world. He was the person who was in charge of the human genome project. Uh, A person who wrote the book uh, what's the name of it? The language of God. The language of God. He believes in God. He trusts in Christ for salvation. He believes that we're lost without Christ. He's a Christian, but he is an evolutionist. I believe in microevolution. Now, you know the difference, don't you? Don't be confused on this. Micro and macro. Macro is where you have... Uh, human beings coming from another species entirely. Uh, A great step. And that we all came back, we're all related, we all go back to some primordial cell in some ocean billions of years ago. No, 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 no. That's evolution. I do not believe in evolution, and I will tell you why I don't believe in evolution. I don't believe in evolution because I think it's wrong, and I've got it ton of evidence why I don't believe in evolution. That's plain talk.
0: How old do you believe the universe is?
1: Well, really, it doesn't matter what I believe at all, does it? People say, how old do you think the universe is? Well, I am not an astronomer and I'm not a scientist. I'm a preacher of the gospel, I'm a pastor, I'm an evangelist, but God has given me a brain that still seems to be working okay. (laughs) And I believe there is such a thing as true scientific discoveries. I think every astronomer in the world today, any qualified astronomer, believes that the universe itself was born in a flash of light and energy 13.82 13.82 billion years ago. Or well, somebody who doesn't understand these things will cry out, Oh, no, no, John Carter, that's evolution. No, they've got nothing to do with evolution. In fact, this uh, belief now that the universe had a beginning in relatively recent times is about the strongest argument against evolution. Now, people who say the creation of the universe 13.82 billion years ago uh, shows that a person believes in evolution, just doesn't know, just hasn't studied it. Now, astronomers will tell you, and I've studied this a fair bit, they'll tell you that the universe is expanding almost now at the speed of light. And by calculating the expansion rate, going out like a giant cracker, they can work back to the very beginning. Now, there was a time not so many decades ago when no scientists believed that the universe had an abrupt beginning. Einstein, Hubble, the whole lot of them believed in the theory that is called the steady state. They believed in the eternity of matter. And then they discovered that the universe had a beginning, which is exactly what the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, an intelligent Christian will believe in the words of the Bible, and he'll also believe in valid scientific discoveries.
0: What should I do if I have reason to believe that a church member or official is guilty of child abuse?
1: Well, now, we know what's happened in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, We know what's happened in the United States of America. We know what's happened in in Ireland. We know about the dreadful cover-up. I mean, words fail me. Uh, The hundreds of thousands of children that have been molested by clergymen. What a disgrace. What an abomination. And what happened for many, many years, and I think Pope Francis is trying to rectify this, Somewhat. He's been a bit slow, but I think he's trying to rectify it somewhat. You know why the previous Pope resigned, don't you? Because he couldn't get a handle on this tremendous scandal. But the Catholic Church and other organizations, what they would do, they engaged in a cover up. Protestant churches have done the same too, but not as bad as the Catholic Church. And so they would cover it up and they'd send the priest to another parish. And he'd abuse a bunch of other kids, and then he'd get caught, and they'd pass him on. Now, a lot of those priests today are in prison, and the people who covered up, if they're not in prison, they ought to be in prison. If you think that a person is abusing a child in your church, you need to report it to the state authorities and to the church authorities. You ought to report it to both authorities, to the government, and don't be part of a cover-up. That's a dreadful sin. And report it to the church authorities too. And that person who has engaged in pedophilia needs to be fired by the church and sent to prison for a long, long, long time. We must defend our children.
0: In Matthew chapter 24, verse 34, Jesus talks about a generation that will see the coming of Christ. Can you please explain what Christ is talking about?
1: I wish I could read Matthew 24. We're going to run out of time in this segment before we go to a message, but Matthew 24 is a dual prophecy. It talks about the destruction of Jerusalem that happened in 70 A.D. and that, wait for this, This was a type of the end of the world. What happened in 70 AD to Jerusalem and to the Jewish people is going to be repeated on a worldwide scale. That's the truth. The abomination of desolation is going to come and stand in the holy place again. There's going to be a time of trouble such as never was. As there was a generation in the days of Jesus that saw the destruction of the Jewish nation in 70 AD, so there is going to be a final generation of believers who are going to see the end of the world, the great tribulation, the great time of trouble, the persecution, the abomination of desolation and they're going to see the end of this world as we understand it and they are going to see the coming of the Lord. There will be a final generation. Now the good news is this, that even though the world is in a dreadful mess, some would say it's becoming like hell, Jesus is going to come. And Jesus is going to have his people. And there's going to be a resurrection. And the saints of God are going to be victorious. And the saints of God are going to go home to glory that's the truth and it's the plain truth
0: for a copy of today's program please contact us at p.o box 1900 thousand oaks california 91358 or in australia contact us at p.o box 861 terrigal new south wales 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.